At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again on the HHC. It's a Silver Linings edition, but a very good effort for the Hornets last night against the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll break down the 114-104 to 104 loss. Also, we'll talk about the next game, which is tonight against the Boston Celtics. Very difficult back-to-back here, but the Hornets are playing well. We'll preview tonight's game against the Celtics and give you a health update from one of the best insiders we know on the Hornets beat. And that would be coordinator of digital media content and the author of so many great articles on Hornets.com, Sam Purley, back with us for a Two Sams edition of the HHC. Sam, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you along. Hornets fall 114 to 104. I really do think, though, that in terms of this period of time where they've played without LaMelo Ball, without Malik Monk, without Gordon Hayward, this is far and away the best week that we have seen in terms of level of play from the Hornets, and nothing that we saw last night did anything to diminish that, in my opinion. No, absolutely, and I think it's that's what you want. You've, you've been experimenting. If you're head coach James Rego, you've been experimenting with some different lineups. I think you found a lineup for right now, a small ball lineup, starting Cody Martin and P.J. Washington at the five, and you're getting hard play, and this is the third game in a row. You bring in physicality, playing really hard. You're passing the ball. This Bucks team is just tough to play against when you have a little bit of a, a slip-up like they did in the second quarter. It's hard to get it back, and they're just physical. They're a little bit bigger, physically lengthier so effort was certainly there much better version of silver linings and the last time I was on here that Chicago game I think was a little bit of a wash but that's three straight games from the Hornets where you've seen a lot of good stuff from this young team as they continue to kind of get through these injuries when the team is healthy I think it's the Hornets personal level of play that 90% of the time dictates whether they win or lose now that they're not healthy you know level of play is something that you know is good to see but ultimately it hinges on did they shoot well, and how well did the opponent play? Against Cleveland, Hornets did not shoot well, but Cleveland's not that good, and the Hornets played better than they did overall and were able to eke out a win. Against Boston, Hornets shot well, and they played well. Celtics weren't going to stand up. Hornets had a, a near-perfect game considering the limitations to their roster. And then last night against Milwaukee, I thought the Hornets played well, but they didn't shoot well, and Milwaukee played better. And that's the end of the game. Yeah, it was that second quarter. Outscored 29-17 to 17 in the second quarter. I thought they got off to a very nice start, kind of hung with them a little bit, and things started to get on a run, whether it was turnovers, missed shots, a lot of missing some gimmies around the basket. It was a little combination of everything. Not hitting threes, never really got Terry Rozier going. Got in that run in the third quarter, 20-6 to six run midway through the third, got back in it. 
and then towards the end, I think just couldn't come up with enough plays, and, and you know Milwaukee kind of just put their foot down and, and got some stops and made some baskets, and that's what really good teams like Milwaukee do. That's why they're going to be a, a contender to make the NBA Finals this year. No question in my mind about that. Second half, I thought it was P.J. Washington, Devontae Graham that really led the way. Both those players had very strong overall games as well. P.J. ending up with 18 points. He sunk a couple of threes, seven made buckets. Devontae Graham, 25 points to lead all Hornets. Second straight game for him with six made threes. In the first half, keeping the Hornets anywhere near within range of Milwaukee was all about Miles Bridges. Outlet Devontae Graham. Graham lob. Miles Bridges receives it and throws it down. My goodness. Do what you like, Miles Bridges. You can't throw it high enough. DiVincenzo tried to block it. His elevator doesn't go up to Miles Bridges' floor. I don't know too many players who that elevator does go up that high unless you're like, you know, bowl, bowl, and you start two floors above people, and even he, he's not going to reach the same height Miles Bridges does. Miles, three straight games with 20-plus points for the first time in his career. Really, really strong stretch here. I think when you look at the plus-minus, there, there is still an argument to be made that the best scenario when the Hornets are healthy might involve Miles coming off the bench, but for right now, there's no question they do not go anywhere near the record that they have with these significant absences unless Miles Bridges plays the way he has. Yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic since Gordon went down, and that's a tough spot to fill, that starting three spot or four spot, I guess, now at the NBA level without Hayward. But like you say, he's been averaging close to 20 points, nightly double-double threat, making plays on the defensive end. Playmaking has gotten really good. His ability to shoot off the dribble, knock down threes. I mean, he's doing so much this year that he wasn't doing last year. And he just kind of little bits here and there. You can just tell the growth is continuing to come. I mean, he's taking a really, really big stride this last month and really taking advantage of this opportunity and kind of kept the Hornets, you know, right at that 500 levels. Again, like they get through these injuries, particularly with Gordon out, who he is replacing right now in the starting lineup. JB talked after the game, head coach James Borrego, about the performances of Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington. Yeah, I thought they were great. I mean, they handled themselves, you know, I thought they took a step in their growth tonight, you know, being able to handle the the emotions and the physicality. And I love this for our guys. They've never been here. This is this is where you want to be, you know, and they're fighting and they showed maturity out there tonight, you know, handling the foul situation, handling the runs, being down against a very good team and not giving in. Um, and then keeping our poise, you know, I think we kept our poise out there. Nobody was rattled. We stuck to the game plan, got it to within four. And that's what you need when you're, when you're at this time of the year, you got to keep your head. You got to, you got to stay focused on, on the task at hand and the, and the, and the situation and still bring the energy and the effort. You can't, you can't lose your energy and effort and compromise that. But I think in general, our guys, you know, especially Miles and PJ did a really good job in that area. This recent run with the Hornets so banged up, it had the potential to reveal that maybe P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges were not ready to be leading men on an NBA team. But fortunately for the Hornets, it has shown the opposite, that both of them can have starting and starring roles in this league for a very, very long time on high-quality teams because even though the team is 5-8 and eight since Gordon Hayward went down to make it three main scorers off the list, basically, of players available to be played for JB, those two have stepped up their games, and more often than not, when they've had wins, when they've had big wins, it's because both of them have played well. Yeah, and we talk about Miles, but like we talk about PJ here now. I mean, I think the only – he had a rough game in Chicago, which I think he didn't get things going, and now that he's kind of come back to that small ball five, I want to say he's had 
18, 19, 20-something points at least in five of the last six games. So you can always tell the talent there. He's got the versatility. I mean, we saw that on an opening night last year, hitting those seven threes. I mean, you could tell, okay, maybe the Hornets have really found something for him. It's just about doing it consistently, knocking down threes consistency. I think he's been really good rebounding for this team lately, playmaking a little bit more. I mean, just his game is opening up very similar to Miles, just doing a little bit more. And the more you can do, it makes everything else easier. You can only do one or two things. It's going to be hard to be consistently good at that. You can do five or six things on the court. It just opens up a whole new world for you and your teammates. So they've really taken advantage this last month, and I really love this role that PJ's in right now with a small ball five. Last thought on last night's game for me. Hornets, 26 assists. I thought they shared the ball well. They, they attacked Milwaukee and played really good offense for the most part. It ultimately came down to their three-point shooting, and the, the cliche is true. It is a make-miss league, but this Hornets team – in particular, their ability to make the three really determines how far they'll go. Team is 10-0 and 0 when they make 18 or more threes this season. When they make 12 or fewer, as they did last night, 7-14. and 14. Pretty stark contrast. 18 or more, unbeaten. 12 or less, they're losing two out of three. That's a good number to have, yeah. More three is the better. I think one of the big ones is they obviously just couldn't get Terry Rozier going last night, and I don't think it was anything that he was – he just had kind of an off night. I think he, you know, contributed a little bit on the rebounding facility, but I would – not looking at the film exactly going back, I would imagine that Drew Holiday was on him a lot last night, and he is a really, really good – all-NBA defensive caliber player. Uh, he's been really, really good for Milwaukee this year. That's why they have one of the best defenses in the league. So I think he just made life tough. When you're going up against a guy like Holiday, he's going to make it really hard all night. And the good thing is that a lot of other guys stepped up with Terry not being able to hit as many shots as he would like. Devontae, we talk about P.J. Miles and Cody Martin, too, had a nice, another nice offensive game as well. Hornets settled for silver linings last night, falling 114-104 to to the Milwaukee Bucks. Still a winning homestand, two out of three in the win column. Still a winning season against one of the elite teams in the Eastern Conference, if not the entire NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks, but unable to complete the sweep. Hornets will be shorthanded tonight against Boston still. We'll talk about that game in a little bit, but coming up next, we're going to pick Sam's brain about how much longer this team is going to be shorthanded. What's the update on LaMelo Ball, Malik Monk, and Gordon Hayward? More on that as we roll along here on the Hornets Hivecast. Cody Zeller knows how to finish an assist. Now you can be a part of one of his biggest plays of the season. Socks are the most under-donated item for those in need, and the Cody Zeller Sock Drive, presented by Haynes, is ready to attack that problem. You can help make socks a priority by donating one pack of new socks or $5 to the Cody Zeller Sock Drive, and all donations will be matched by Haynes and will benefit Roof Above. Head to Hornets.com and search Cody Zeller Sock Drive for more information. Sam Farber and Sam Purley, a two-Sams edition of the HHC, Sam Purley, coordinator of digital media content for the Hornets. And it's been a long time without LaMelo Ball, Malik Monk, and Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, the original diagnosis, as we were told, was that he was going to be reevaluated in four weeks, which is basically this weekend. That was the initial timeline. We'll get into the other two big significant absences, Malik Monk and LaMelo Ball, in a little bit. But in terms of Gordon Hayward, we haven't heard a whole lot about him. Every time I've seen him at games, he's been in a walking boot. What are you seeing and hearing with regards to Gordon Hayward and his potential to return before the season's end? I am hearing the 
exact same thing you are, which is nothing. It is four weeks. I think the the four-week, I guess, anniversary of the injury would be, I think, this Friday was in the Indiana game or at Indiana. And I think maybe you get reevaluated and just see where you're at. Maybe the boot comes off. I don't really know. But of the three guys out right now, it sounds like Gordon is probably the furthest away of the three main guys the Hornets are missing right now. If you were to take a guess, and I don't even know if we should be taking a guess, but does your gut tell you that there is a chance he returns before the regular season ends, or is that becoming less and less of a possibility? I really have no idea. You want to be hopeful and say hopefully he can come back, and if he can come back and give you 15 minutes a game, I mean, these are just – and these are not easy games to come back into. To You know, it's one thing to come back in December or January from an injury you've been out for a few weeks and you kind of ease your way back into it. These guys are going to be coming back into it, particularly for LaMelo Ball and Malik Monk, who have never played in an NBA playoff-like environment. This is going to be really hard coming back into this – you saw it last night in the Milwaukee game, how intense and physical that was. That felt like a playoff game to an extent. So it's going to be hard to get him back in. I don't think it's impossible, but you know we'll see where Gordon's at. Hopefully he gets some good news by the end of the week. But when these guys do come back at whatever point in the next three, four weeks, whenever it is, they're going to have to do the ground running because these games are really, really physical right now, and they're must-wins right now for the Hornets. And for Gordon Hayward in particular, even though he is a pro's pro and has been through injuries obviously previously in his career, not easy to just come right back from a sprained foot because it takes a lot of cardio to play in the NBA and he hasn't been able to do much I would imagine of it in these last four weeks that's the big one it's LaMelo's got the advantage of wrist injury it is a shooting wrist you can kind of at least do cardio you can stay in shape you can move a little bit and keep your wind together it's not the same as being on an NBA floor it's different wind but not near as bad it's those lower extremities ankles knees feet things like that can kind of set you back a little bit further I mean the injury might be healing it might be healed after four weeks but it might take another three or four weeks just to get back to where you want to be not necessarily implying that's the case here it's just kind of the way these particular injuries sometimes go in the NBA when you're talking anything legs and below. Let's go to LaMelo Ball. LaMelo dealing with the wrist injury. Obviously got the cast off. He's been given a clean bill of health in terms of he could resume basketball activities as of I think a week ago. What is the prognosis you're hearing for him? Yeah, cast off a week ago. He's clearly missed basketball. You could tell he's been itching on the sideline to get out and play. Um, the way JB described it last week is a lot of it is just kind of regaining his flexibility. I sound like you know medical hour with Dr. Pearlie here. But what I kind of picked up in the very limited amount of doctor-related insight I have is the flexibility is the biggest thing right now. You think about your wrist being kind of in one exact spot for four weeks and then having to remove it, particularly a shooting wrist, and how much he uses that to pass and ball handle and shoot and things like that so I think the flexibility right now they said is kind of the biggest thing getting it back you can't necessarily re-break it it's kind of a pain management right now but it's kind of just working it back into form we're seeing him do a little bit more out on the court during warm-ups and things like that so I think JB mentioned hopefully getting some live reps by the end of the week three on three two on two it's just hard right now with the practice time and seeing wherever he's at but hopefully as soon as he starts moving around getting some live reps and you see where he's at and that's one step closer to hopefully coming back for real game action. Before we go on to Malik, part of what happens with injuries is it provides opportunities. We've seen guys like Jalen McDaniels, Cody Martin step into bigger, more prominent roles, and even guys like Miles Bridges, you know, go from off the bench to a huge starring role and really shine at times in them. The other part of it is a lot more minutes get put on the shoulders of some of those starters. Devontae Graham talked about that last night after the loss to Milwaukee. You got to do what you got to do. That's just what it is. If we have 
players. If not, you know, you got to come out and put, it, put y'all on the court. Now, moving forward, the team's probably going to benefit quite a bit, I'd say, from guys like Martin and McDaniels getting these minutes. And there's no question when they're ready to play, Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, Malik Monk will likely trend towards the minutes they had before, if not more, because the games are going to be more important and those guys are significant pieces. How do you foresee some of the minute distribution to go down? Do you think now having seen what these guys can do, JB might be more likely to expand the rotation a little bit? Or do you think he's still, like most NBA teams do when they get to the postseason or or winning time, drill things down and try and stick to a, a solid seven, maybe eight-man rotation. Yeah, it's interesting because right now they're just playing eight. I think they've been playing eight for the last three games, and I think with this particular situation, you've got two very prominent pieces of your rotation that are playing really, really well when they got hurt coming back. I think you maybe open it just a little bit. You see where Malik is at in a nine to ten minute spurt. You see where Lamelo's at in a 12, 13, 14 minute spurt. You don't give them 35 minutes right off the bat in a starting lineup position. If he doesn't start the rest of the season, it's, you know, it, right now it's about winning games. Every single night is about winning games and putting all nine or ten guys in the role and position that they need to be in order to help the team win games right now. It's going to be kind of doing things on the fly in some very intense, high-pressure games, a lot of home games coming up too, which is good. But I would kind of expand it a little bit, see what you got these first couple games, whenever Malik comes back, whenever LaMelo comes back or Gordon, see where they're at. If you can extend it the next game, extend it the next game. It's a good problem to have. It's a challenging problem to have at this point of the season because you've got guys that are used to playing certain minutes right now for the last month. They're going to have to either dial it back or do something different or come off the bench. So it is an adjustment that's going to be have to be made but ultimately it's a good problem to have anytime you got healthy bodies coming back into the rotation especially guys that are talented like the three that have been missing the last one is Malik Monk he's had a career year shooting percentages are all way up scoring way up despite the fact that minutes were not as plentiful this year as they have been in years past years past if he was available he was clearly a member of the top eight on the team more often than not it would be a no-brainer yes he should play this year there have been times healthy or not that he wasn't part of the rotation because there were other options that were at that moment a better fit what are you hearing about the prognosis on Malik Monk? Yeah, and it's he got off to a slow start this year, was in health and safety protocols for a little while, and then some minutes opened up, and he took advantage of them. And that was such a bummer to see him. Not only was he playing well, but the team was really playing well around him. And, and when the team, when he played well, the team generally was playing well. So I think the same, he's kind of in, sounds like the same boat as LaMelo. I think they're trying to get him back on the court. Next step is live reps and practice, scrimmages, two-on-two, three-on-three. And I think in top of that, it's not, you know, with the team on a back-to-back right now and then on a back-to-back later this week. I think JB mentioned kind of doing some more with some of those guys that maybe aren't getting as many minutes right now that you can incorporate into a two-on-two or two-on-three. So it's Grant Riller, Vernon Carey, Nate Darling, someone like that, Caleb Martin. You've got some bodies to kind of get these guys back in. You don't have to full-fledge all 15 guys at once. It's right now, it's just kind of about getting them active, getting them loose, getting them in a game situation as close as possible um, and just see where you're at. But like, yeah, I think Malik, I think this will be four weeks coming up too. So it was a nasty ankle sprain apparently. It didn't look good when it happened and it certainly When the they said sprain, time, I yeah. was happy. I was like, that that didn't look like a sprain. So yeah. good news, he's only got an ankle sprain. Yeah, so hopefully, again, hopefully he comes back soon. That's another tough one because unlike Melo, it's a lower extremity with the cardio and everything. So hopefully he can come back. And again, if he can give you 12 minutes off the bench, knock down a couple threes, I mean, you'll take that right now if you're the Hornets you need every single bit you can get this final 11 12 game stretch whatever it is you know get as many wins as you can hopefully put yourself in good position final question 
after the game against Boston tonight, back-to-back days off, how important is it that any of these three, if they're going to have a significant role in this first part of May, do something during these two days? Like, if they're unable to do four-on-four, five-on-five, does that mean the ship has sailed and this is the rotation we've seen the last couple weeks will likely be the rotation we see for the next couple weeks, even though it's a a weaker schedule the Hornets will take on and more home-heavy? It's not to say that they can't still win these games without those guys, but obviously you'd love to see the infusion. But how important are the two off days to determining who could come back? It's a good question. I mean, obviously they're important for everybody right now, but I think ideally and hopefully you'd love to see those guys come back, at least for those two days. Now, whether that means they're going to play on Saturday or play on Sunday, or maybe they you don't play them Saturday. Maybe you look at, hey, you know, playing Saturday, playing a Detroit team that's not having a great year. Maybe we bring them back and see what they can do on Sunday. Give us that little extra boost in the back-to-back and what is, I think, the fifth game in eight days or something like that, something crazy this week. So maybe you do that. I mean, a lot of it is just you got to see how they react in that first practice and see where things are at. If you think they need a few more practices to do it, the last thing you want to do is put them out there before they're ready physically, you don't want to put them out just for the sake of putting them out there just to say, oh, you know, he'll figure it out as you go. Because, like I said, these are not the games to be kind of figuring it out on the fly right now. When you put a person in there or a body in there, you want to make sure they're ready to go and contribute because the margin of error right now isn't very big for the Hornets this final, you know, three weeks of the season. We can all agree on that for sure. Hornets with a record of 30 and 31. The magic number remains in the exact same spot. It is still sitting at eight for the Hornets as they head into a big game tonight against the Boston Celtics. We'll preview it for you next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, during the month of April, the Charlotte Hornets and their official hunger relief partner, Food Lion Feeds, are launching the 2021 Dunk Hunger Food Drive to benefit Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolina. The Bridges who throws it down with the right hand. For every Hornets dunk this month, slams it down with two hands. Food Lion will donate 1,000 meals. Terry Rozier throws it down over Kevin Durant. For more information on how you can help Food Lion and the Hornets dunk hunger, visit hornets.com slash dunk hunger. Graham, two seconds, fires off a contested three, got it! Devontae Graham with Forbes in his face, buries the three, and Charlotte cuts the deficit down to seven in the waning seconds of the third quarter. Devontae Graham, his second straight game with six made threes. Huge, huge effort from him. Unfortunately, last night it came in a silver linings edition, hoping to repeat that success he had against Boston on Sunday. Sam Farber, Sam Purley here with you on the HHC. And Sam, I think, uh, you know, same situation for this one as the previous game against Boston. It's not going to make or break their playoff or play-in tournament chances. This isn't the one that, you know, we're going to say must win. But it is determinative of can this team compete for a top six position? I think if they lose it, I honestly don't think they get there. I think there's too few games. They're too far back. They need someone that they can catch. And Atlanta doesn't seem to be wavering that much despite the injury to Trey Young. New York doesn't seem to be wavering at all. And Boston, the wheels are a little wobbly there. Mm -hmm. They'll have enough of a cushion plus the tiebreaker. So I think it's not going to make or break their chances to make the play-in or ultimately the playoffs. But if they want to avoid the play-in tournament, they have to win tonight. Just keep winning every game. That's all I got to worry about. Just keep winning every game. Yeah, no, this one, I wouldn't. it doesn't have a must-win feel to it, but it definitely has a 
boy, it would be really nice to win this one because it is a long two days between Thursday. Obviously, you like the days off at this point, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, that's a long time to kind of not go without a win. We all know what it feels like coming off a win. You want to savor for as long as you can. So not a must win, but certainly one that, boy, we this would be a good one to have. This would be a really, really good one to have if, if you're the Hornets right now, particularly coming on the road. I would agree with you, but I also think the team's aware of who they just played. Playing it back-to-back against Milwaukee and Boston and walking away 0-2, I don't think you feel too terrible about yourself, especially given how they played against Milwaukee and the fact that they did beat Boston the game before. So, you know, if you look at it less as a back-to-back and more as a trio and say, hey, we played really well in at least two out of the three. We got a win in one of them. We're that much closer to qualifying for the postseason. You know, it is what it is. We're not going to play a three-game stretch the rest of the way that's tougher than these three. Let's turn the page and move forward. Yeah, that's a good point. I think most of all, you just want to kind of see them keep playing well. I think you go back to maybe the second half of the Cleveland game, the Boston game, and then majority of the Milwaukee game maybe not the second quarter they've been playing you know that's eight eight nine quarters of the last 10 they've played really really well so you want to keep seeing them play well and put themselves in position to win and compete in Boston that's been a really tough place for the Hornets to play I think they've lost eight straight at TD Garden and a lot of them have been kind of blowout losses they really haven't been close that's been kind of a house of horrors for the Hornets hopefully it is not tonight and they can find a way to pick up a win play well pick up a win most importantly just play well and see where the, the chips fall well we just got done talking about all the injuries and how no one's coming back tonight for the hornets so bad news that there's no reinforcements coming for this one good news is no one else has been hurt that we've been told of so they are just as healthy now as they were the last time they played and beat the boston celtics cannot say the same thing about the team they're visiting Jason Tatum did not play last night in the Celtics' loss to Oklahoma City, of all people. Kemba Walker also did not play, and he's already been ruled out for tonight's game. And that loss to Oklahoma City really illustrates how Jekyll and Hyde the Celtics team is, because I'm still convinced they're one of the four best teams in the East in terms of who's on their roster and, and the ceiling for how well they can play. But they lost to a Thunder team who hadn't won a game in April. They were about to go 0 for April, and the Celtics snapped their 14-game losing streak. So heading into this one, we've seen the starting five from the last couple of games have their best game of this entire run against Boston. What needs to happen for them to be able to repeat it and end up winning the series against the Celtics, which would mean that the Hornets own the season series against Milwaukee, potentially the Knicks if they can win the last one, Atlanta, Boston, and Miami, as well as Indiana, for that matter. I like it. I think you go look at that box score from Sunday, and two things stand out. Ball movement. Move the ball. 39 assists on 47 made field goals. Get the Celtics in rotations. Get them scrambling. Boston did not do very well in transition in that game. They were Hornets are pushing the pace off turnovers, live ball rebounds, even after made baskets. They pushed the pace on every single possession. And there were a lot of times Boston just looked completely discombobulated on the defensive end. So push the pace, keep the tempo up. You saw that in the Milwaukee game. And then I think you got to play with some physicality. And I think they did that against Boston. I think they did that against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's just a much bigger team, and they are just going to be more physical. And, you know, when you've got Devontae Graham switched on to Giannis, I mean, there's only so much Devontae's going to be able to to do every now and then but I think they played really physical against Milwaukee just Milwaukee's bigger team and they 
you know, you just sometimes you're just not going to win when those those are bigger guys. So those two things: play physical, move the ball, and, and just kind of get the Celtics moving. You know, they're on their heels; they're coming off a pretty tough loss to an Oklahoma City team. They probably should have beat. You know, who knows where they are mentally? You know, that's a tough turnaround for them too. Um, so we'll see where it ends up tonight. Should be a really good one. Game plan is in. Hornets take on Boston tonight, 7:30 p.m. You can hear the contest on our flagship station for the Hornets Radio Network, Sports Radio FNZ, with our coverage beginning at 6:30. Kyle Bailey and Travis T-Bone Hancock have the pregame show, and of course, you can watch the game on Bally's Sports South. Ashley Shamady has your pregame action with Del Curry, and then Dell and Eric Collins will have the call. Sam Purley, thanks for joining us again here on a Two Sams edition. Yes, thank you for having me, as always. It is a pleasure and a privilege to have you and to have all of you tuning in. I'm actually taking the next podcast off. Rob Longo is going to sit in the anchor chair with your post-game breakdown podcast tomorrow. I will be on the call tonight, don't worry. But Rob's going to have your uh, podcast hosting duties as he breaks down the contest against Boston tomorrow. So, till next time, for everyone here on the HHC, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. And in the words of LaMelo Ball, thank you Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.